1: A
2: podcast one production. Hello, my name's Gary Megan and this is a Plate to Call Home. Conversations with fascinating people all centred around food. The reason I wanted to make this show a Plate to Call Home was so that I could delve deep into people's love and passion for food and how much joy that brings them and, of course, all of us. But food doesn't always necessarily bring that joy. In fact, sometimes it can bring its own fair share of problems. George Columbaris, a very good friend of mine, is no stranger to that concept, and I wanted to sit down with him and see how he felt about the last 12 months, which even he said has been the hardest he's ever faced in his career. So take a listen of my chat with George Columbaris. Everybody knows you from MasterChef, obviously, but I think foodies, proper foodies knew you well before MasterChef. Obviously, Mm. you've done a bit of television in the past, um, but that was all based on being a chef and getting your name out there and Mm. winning lots of awards as a young chef. What what did, what, young chef of the year?
3: Mm. Yeah. when was that? Young chef of the year. That was nine, uh, 2002, uh, 2002, yeah, 2002, around 2004. Um, yeah. And how old were you then? Uh, I was... Geez, three
2: <laughs> I shouldn't put you on the spot back. with mathematics, shouldn't <laughs> I? It's like MasterChef maths. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. were young. 20... Um, yeah, I was 24. Something.
3: 24. Yeah. Right. 24,
2: um, yeah. Yeah. And since then? What since are the, then? What are the... <laughs> since then? <laughs> no, I was going to keep it professional yeah, for a second yeah, in terms no. of being a chef. Yeah, uh, yeah. Since then, so Young Chef of the Year, young Restaurant of the year, year.
3: Restaurant of the Year, Chef of the Year. Chef of the Year. Um... Uh, oh, you even went like, over
2: to uh, France and represented Australia, Australia in ta- in the Tour Blanche? Uh,
3: the Baku store.
2: Baku store, sorry.
3: Um, which gives, gives me shivers down my spine when I think about that one. Yeah. Because it was- uh, And you were really young there too yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, How old yeah, were yeah. you then? Yeah, I think I was, I think I was 20, 22 then. Yeah. Um, so quite daunting. It's, so a, when sort of, su- it's sort of, I think about it now and I go, hey, did I rush this thing? <clears throat>
2: what, being a chef? No, I never all the forget, success
3: no, I never forget um and I still and I, I think I wrote about it in my last book um uh, uh Michelle Roux said that um a chef under thirty is not allowed to write should never be allowed to write a cookbook because <laughs> they don't know enough <laughs> so I feel like a fraud, uh, I probably don't know enough, um, okay. but I'm glad I did because uh, yeah. there uh, it's like a it's like a diary that's there for life. Mm.
2: But um, I, try, I, I actually think, I and you know that I think the opposite mm. of this. And actually, somebody asked me this the other day. They said, "You know, the industry's changed, lots changed. You know, it's difficult finding staff." And I said, "You know what? I'm just over at 50 now, listening to all these people as saying the we've saying the same old thing." thing. You know, or you you should you you know you need to do the hard yards. You know, you need to ten years before yeah. you're going to get anywhere. Um, and these conversations were going on when I was a, uh, an apprentice. And this and there's st- there's some industry stalwarts out there. There's still saying exactly the same thing. And all it does, I think, is inhibit people. And I remember saying to you a long time ago, mate, age is just a n- number in your head. And I think it it inhibited mm. my creativity. I remember saying to you at Phoenix, you know, you just you can run this kitchen. You're good enough yeah. to do it. Yeah. It, somebody's just got to pass you the ball and then you have a go, right? And
3: go for it, yeah. And and I think that's – I learnt a lot then to be a self-starter. Um, but I've also learnt, especially now in business, um, that – that you know, I was actually talking about it last night, a certain staff member, where before I'd pushed them into, into a position mm. – um, And potentially most of the time I set people up for failure Um, where now I've got to realize not, not everyone is like me or not everyone's like that person or that person. Um, but it's funny you talk about, you know, working the hard yards. My my chefs at press club now do 40 hours a week.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, there's two teams, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And the first month was so difficult for all of them because they didn't know what to do. Um, and now I've had to take control of their life outside of the restaurant and start sitting them down and going, hang on. What are you doing with your life? Mm. Like, w- w- what do you do? What are your hobbies? Because I never they don't. chefs then. When we have hobbies? <laughs> no, I never had hobbies. Um, it's called s- sleeping. Yeah, sleep. It's a great hobby. Yeah, sleep. <laughs> and and try and get some nutritional value within yourself to then get <laughs> going the, the following week. Yeah. So it's this interesting moment in time now where I'm actually sitting with, well, what is it that you like to do? What is it that you want to do? Um, And start, we're well, starting to break down the team and go right you know um is it that you is it you want to go and learn more about food uh, yep okay all right what what do you want to be a champion of and, yeah. and we'll go like right, jason you want to be he goes i love seafood right we're going to help you be a champion of seafood and go oh, meet supplies meet the artisans meet this meet that yeah. go fishing i was going to say go fishing do this the, do yeah. everything and learn as much as you can I think that's about that. So it's this interesting time in hospitality where I don't want to hear what you just, you yeah. know, what you, you're right. You know, I, they don't work and it's all that. Yeah. I want to know about that. Anymore. It's an
2: incredible transition. I think we'll touch on it later because we're getting yeah. all serious really quickly. But it, I, what I would say, because <laughs> no, we need to ease into it, ease George. Into, we need to okay, ease into yeah, the conversation. Yeah. There's some big topics together yeah, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's interesting you say that because people ask me now, you know, because obviously we don't cook every single day on the stove, mm. you know, how do you feel about Food now, and I said I've never been in love with food as much as I am now because I have the opportunity to explore it in lots of different ways. Mm. So when I was younger and an apprentice, Mm. and you'd recognise this, Mm. you have very little time other than just work. So that's fabulous. So to be able to go to someone else's restaurant or walk down the street or train yourself to go and do something else, you know, learn how to make bread or learn to go fishing.
3: And you know, it was funny yesterday. We have a uh, we have a full time person now at Made Establishment. They're a cultural manager. And they look after the culture of our business, which is some ridiculous thought, but it makes a lot of sense. Because really, everyone knows how to cook. Everyone knows how to serve. The cultures make great venues, not great food. Yeah. I mean, great food is just a given. But doesn't the chef great. set that? Doesn't the general manager I mean, that's or the right. manager but set that? I think that? when you get to a point where there's multiple venues, yeah, when it was just the press club, it was me. Mm. and I could control the culture. Mm. Um both good and bad, but now when you've got multiple venues and you're trying to touch the hearts of a staff member that's working in Rabina in Queensland, how do you do that? And yeah. there's, there is a, there's a there's a way. And yes, that's funny because she came up to me and said, um, and she has one-on-ones with my, my head chefs, and she goes, you know, um, uh, George, you know they love it when you go, go and sit and talk to them and have a coffee and have a laugh. And I go, oh, that's great, Cause, but there's something you're not doing. And I go, what's that? You're not telling them the hard bits of that you found when you were a head chef.
2: Mm.
3: And I just going, oh, I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, was was there bits that were hard? I go, yeah, lots. She goes, why aren't you telling them that and giving them this? You know, so it's really interesting, you know, about how we're now, you know, before it was it was one thing and one thing only, focus on producing the best food and whatever it took to get that. Mm. Just k- mm. kill anything in front of you to get it. Yeah. Um, now it's not that. Let's focus on the other things, and the food will come.
2: Yeah. Tell me something about your childhood.
3: <laughs> Jesus me, I'm,
2: con- I'm concerned now. I know lots of little stories. Yeah. Tell me lots of little stories. I don't mind if you.
3: Childhood was, you know what? I'm Not going to sit here and go. Oh, I was a tough childhood. I'd, to, you know, um, mow the lawns, carry goats on my back. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was none of that. It was a very, you know, I think now more than never- I look, look at my parents and when I start to delve into them and their past, you go, Jesus me. I mean, what a big call for my my granddad to take my mum and her sisters and due to the invasion, the Turkish invasion in Cyprus, pack everything up, leave everything behind, get on a boat and come to Australia. I mean, that's ludicrous not be able to Mm. speak a word of English. Um, and arrive here and live in a one-bedroom flat in Collingwood um, and, you know, uh, go to the chemist to collect olive oil because the supermarket never sold it. Um, And then my dad, on the other side, come from Egypt and was basically pushed out there, pushed out of Egypt, and then, you know, come here and start from scratch, my granddad. Um, And, you know, sometimes I've got to remind myself when I think I'm doing it tough or it's hard, Mm. well, how did they do it, not being able to speak speak the, speak the, the language, racism was, I mean, still, we're still a very racist country. It was high, very high back then mm. and very vocal. Um, hence why we called Jimmy Grants, Jimmy Grants. I mean, imagine that he was called a Jimmy Grant.
2: Why was he called a Jimmy Who, Grant? Well, you
3: removed the J and it's immigrants.
2: Uh, so, so it's it was a nice
3: way. Yeah. Of calling an immigrant. So yeah, I mean, um, and for me, I, I, growing up was very similar. You know, a brother and a sister, um, both from my parents' Um, first marriages so I'm the link between these two my Mm. sister and I have the same father my brother and I the same mother so that was uh that was interesting and it's interesting now you know I'm I'm, I am the 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 glue between the two and sometimes it's uh, it's tough um sometimes it's fantastic
2: yeah what do you think got them through it
3: um, so you say you
2: don't know what? Yeah, what do I think, I think
3: it's a certain amount of resilience. I think it's a certain amount of um, uh, this. I uh, you know, um, it's uh, it's also okay to work hard. Um, we find that a bit daunting these this day and age. Work hard, work. How many hours? When then it was just a given to work hard and to provide. I I, I still feel that now with my own kids and, and, and Natalie that, you know, it's, it's my job to provide for them and, and, you know, um, and, and be a role model towards them and show them that, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to get stuck in and give it a go. And, yeah. um, but it is my responsibility to make sure there's food on the table for them and roof over
2: there. So when you, when you think back, when you were really little, what, what do you think they were going through? Obviously there was a bit of, uh, you know, you talk about racial tension or mm. tension because, you know, these immigrants were coming over, mm. these Greeks, the Italians, the yeah. everybody were, yeah. were coming over and, and stealing jobs, you yeah. know, and what did they know kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. What, 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 when you were little, do you remember any
3: moments where you thought, oh, maybe it struck you now looking back? Or? Yeah. <clears throat> I sort of think about it, you know, like – Mum was a seamstress when she got here, very uneducated. Um, well, I believe she was very educated, but obviously not in the educational form. Dad, very educated an engineer, you know, quite clever. Um, and what struck me is how mum could um, just get through a day with this sort of, uh, how can I put it, you know, uneducated approach, doing things that she she just wanted to get it done and, mm. you know, and provide for us, put food on the table for us um, and, you know, uh, as For a woman who didn't know how to read and write, I still uh, used to bamboozle me how she could sit there and help me get through a book. Mm. Um, so how did she do that? I don't do you know. I just got no idea. Like, and here we are. We are all in this country about structure and process and we must uh, get our kids extra tuition and, mm. you know, this and that. Well, they're not that good at maths. Let's get them someone to – and it's, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking that, but I think – What's, because we're so privileged and lucky here in Australia, um, back then it was it was struggle made you drive to mm. perform and to get a result. So on the flip side, did was your dad always at work? Always. And I, 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 I saw dad um, probably on the weekends um, a little bit because even what was interesting, like even now I find it ridiculous that I get a gardener to come around and trim hedges it's like why don't you <laughs> mow the you, lawns yeah why don't you mm. do that that's your job mm. i go no i don't want to do it and again it's a different part of Well, the it's life. a privilege of
2: earning a little bit of extra money and i think these days even if you earn a little bit of extra money you kind of outsource those jobs like you take your car to the car cleaner yeah rather than washing well it
3: totally i mean you know it's funny because where our support office is in cremourne there's a there's a um an Albanian man who has a little car wash. And I remember when we moved in, I went across the road and chatted with him and gave me my car. And I said, look, you know what? Every month I'll just pay the account. He goes, I go, is that all right? He goes, yeah. I go, how's it going? He goes, it's, it's, I'm sh- it's no good. And I just went, okay, all right. So within that week, I went in our building, got my <laughs> EA to go around and go, everyone is to get their car washed there. It's our responsibility to, to keep this, to give this guy, um, hmm. uh, an income yeah, and he does a great job regardless, but you know, it's our job to support this
2: guy. Yeah. And is that because you remember back yeah, to your, yeah, to your I rem- dad? Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly, exactly. Have you
2: got an image of your dad coming home or on the weekend? Brown paper when you bag,
3: were never forget. He And you know what I, n- I never forget? Dad could get through an entire month with the same brown paper bag.
1: That what, mum would put, put, his put, lunch his,
3: put his lunch in, his everything in. Mm. that same brown paper bag would come home and i laugh now how we so we 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 we're, we're, i mean we we're, we're all about buzzwords we're buzz you know recycle sustainable this that <laughs> i mean I, I think it's a lot of bollocks we should just do it and not talk about yep. it and dad would do it and you know um uh, mum was frugal in the in the kitchen you yep. know like we would there was no such thing as compost yeah. So there was nothing going in the composter. <laughs> we were eating everything. Nothing yeah. was going to, you know, and I you know, I remember vividly every Saturday morning you go down to Daninong and get fresh ricotta from the factory and it was that treat that would come home hot ricotta on a little plate with um, sugar and cinnamon. And that was like, <gasps> and it was still warm, you know.
2: But you pay like, a lot of money for that in a good restaurant uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that on the menu just by any chance? No, but I think I, think I, think I might be. put that on. I think it should that's be because idea, that's because an amazing so. story. After the break, I'll find out a little bit more about how George found himself in the cooking industry and how the times have changed. So if we if we fast forward a little bit, what we like at school?
3: Um, uh, I got through.
2: Without any rubbish. I don't want any rubbish. I just want to know I really. I got through. Because um, I might do a fact check. I might not ring your mates because mm. they'll just tell me that you're amazing. No, no, they'll, they'll, might tell some the third party, uh, they'll
3: tell you the truth. I might get some third-party They'll tell you the truth. I was... I remember primary school, there was, there was me and this guy called David and David and I Funnily, I haven't seen him in, you know, 25 years. I saw him a couple of weeks ago and he broke down in tears and I know why he did. I, I was like quite gobsmacked and we were chatting and he goes, you know, we, cause we stuck together in primary school and, and it was a, I don't want to say it Anglo, it was very Anglo based and we, we had to protect ourselves throughout. Mm. Primary school, and was he Greek. Then no, he he's Turkish, right? And um and you know we 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 were we were the captains of the soccer team because we were the best players. Um, and even though we did really poorly because there was pretty much us two and the rest were useless. Mm. Um, and the the football <laughs> team were amazing. The AFL team. Um, and I remember. We were laughing because we're sitting there, and he was in press club with his wife, and we're sitting there chatting and laughing. And this beautiful blonde lady walked towards the table and mm. went, "Mr. Cullenbaris, I just want to say you're amazing, and thank mm. you so much for Master Chef, and blah, blah blah." And I'm like, "Oh, thank you so much!" And he just went, "Oh my God, Georgie!" Looked at me, he goes, "Do you remember? She would have been. She there was many of them at our primary school." I've gone, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You know, blonde, beautiful." And they never came to us back then mm. to speak to us. And I just, I, I could see this. It just sort of all flooded back. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, they, they didn't want to speak to us. Short, you know, different looking um, yeah. ethnics. Yeah. You know, even though I was born here. Um,
2: yeah. And funny, a moment there, you're talking about this. Uh, There's a Greek and a Turk uh, playing football together. And the very reason your mum left Cyprus is well, because, because of the relationship yeah. between the Turks and yeah. the Greeks, and yeah. it's always been volatile, right? Volatile. So, and yet you come to a new country and you're sitting in the playground together,
3: sitting in the playground together, playing. Um, and you know, even last night, and you, I was at uh, I went to Toulon to take him a, 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 a an olive tree to mm. congratulate him for his one year, yeah. Um, and you know, what a wonderful boy, and you know, yeah. he's a Turkish boy, and yeah, you know, he's wonderful. I mean. You know, I get. You know, I get my probably my mother's bitterness about the whole thing. Mm. Uh, I really do. I understand it, but for me, I just look at it as I'm glad it happened because yeah. I probably would have never been born.
2: Yeah. Well, also you'd be. Well, also you'd have even if you were born and you were still there, you'd have a very different idea of the world. Yeah. And maybe you wouldn't have had the same opportunities that you had here.
3: Yeah, and you. Go, and when I go to Greece, you don't hear any of that. It's only here in Australia, and I get right. it because they brought that any, memory, any of what so the- any of that whole. What's happened? The, the, the Turks, yeah. the this, the that, the Macedonians—all that rubbish. I don't get caught up in it. I'm, um, I just and over there they don't. They've moved on from it. Yeah. We're here because they came. Yeah, from it's frozen
2: in time. Frozen in time. Yeah, like it's, the food, it's frozen in time, isn't it? And yeah. the, and because they look back romantically, don't they? at, at mm. What they lost and what yeah. they left and what yeah. they—the idea of what they'd go back to, yeah. which is entirely different.
3: And you know what's funny? I was I was. um Chatting to a couple of uh, uh, air hosties on the flight over, and this is peak season for a lot of Greeks to go over. And do you know how many um, angina attacks happen on planes? Because the a lot of these Greeks haven't been back in 30, 40 years. And it's this anticipation of them getting over, and most of them, they get sick on the plane, like really bad, because of the whole, you know, it's it's funny. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. But that's
2: something, I think it's generational too. Yeah. But once upon a time, once you came to Australia, that that was it. You were on a boat, you weren't going back. I remember as a kid, there used to be a radio program where they put people in the UK, where I was, in touch with people in Australia that I'd never spoken to for 20 years. Oh, wow. Because telephone calls were expensive. Yeah. Now we would just hop on a plane yeah. or make a phone call free on mm. Skype or yeah, you WhatsApp, WhatsApp yes, and, and it's totally different.
3: <laughs> it's incredible.
2: So when you rewind forward a little bit and you're becoming a teenager, what do you want to be? Football uh, star?
3: Football star. Football star, I knew I wanted to be a chef from probably, would have been about 14 Um, I don't know why it just sort of came to me one day. Mm. I don't know why. I I honestly don't. Yeah, I was about 14. And I remember, and it was at that point where at high school um, uh, you had a careers uh, person, advisor. um, And I remember Mr. Weeberg. There's a few
2: nicknames there for Mr. (laughs) Weeberg, isn't there? What did he he get called? Just out of curiosity. Uh, You can't remember, can you? I can't
3: remember. I was a good student. I uh, would never do anything like that. <laughs> Throwing a paper at Mr. Yeah. Weberg
2: when he got his back to yeah. Anyway, um, sorry, I just I went off on a tangent.
3: And I remember going to him and going, I want to be a chef. I go, how can I – and he goes, ooh, well, we've got a problem because there's no home economics class uh, set up here at Mazenod." He goes, but l- let me let me do some research. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Got back to me and he goes, right, we've got a solution. This was in year 11 and 12. Every Friday, we're going to need to stick you in a Mazenod bus and send you to Avila. And I've just gone, sorry, Avila, that's our sister school. And uh, he goes, you'll spend the day there. So it's our girl (laughs) school. I'm going to get to spend an entire day at a girl school. (laughs) Life is good. (laughs) Uh, To the point, my mates were like, I think I'm going to start home economics. Dude, you hate cooking. Um, The bonus for that is- um, and I'm not saying it was because of me. now Mazano has, has its own home economics um, uh, area space and it's fantastic because mm. I think if there's anything that should be compulsory in curriculum mm. is 100% kids need to learn how to cook um, yep. and it's, you know I'm not asking them to do you know years of it, but do something yep. there should be a little something.
2: Enough to learn 10 recipes before you leave school.
3: Exactly. Yeah, so when they your do yourself. leave home, hmm. they're they're armed and they're equipped. I mean, I love how you tell me, Gary, about Jenna. I mean, she, yeah. she can make an omelette. She can do yeah. things. And that's fantastic.
2: Well, that's down to Stephanie Alexander at her school, which was Murrumbina primary. And yeah. uh, they had the-
3: Kitchen garden. Kitchen
2: garden. Yeah. And it is spectacular. Yeah. And I actually went in a couple of times over the years, and, and not when Jenna's been there, but since she's left. and gone in and cook with the kids and you should see their faces. Yeah.
1: They Happy. love it Happy.
2: because they get to pick stuff and they get to cook what they picked and then they get to eat it and yeah. it's it's just beautiful.
3: It's tangible and it's yeah. instantly gratifying.
2: Yeah, it is. Hello. I'm so a- hang on a minute. So when you said you were going to do home economics and now you're on a minibus <laughs> off, yeah. to, off to this school, <laughs> what did your mates say? Because they're all doing engineering. I presume like, they all want to be engineers. Yeah, my, look,
3: my f- my four best mates. Um, you know, one of them's a marketing manager. Other ones a barrister. Another one's um, one of the bosses at Asahi. I mean, they're they're you know, another one's a lawyer. I mean, become become a what? Um, a chef? Like what? Are you okay? Like mm. like? Uh, and i you know, it's a girly job. Yeah, it was girl. You know, that's so, what we thought. Now Sorry, not what we thought, but no, what everyone no, else thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's what I want to do. And, you know, I, and uh, there was one commitment I made to dad was finish year 12. Um, and was, was probably the smartest thing because it slightly matured me and, and allowed me to do things that you do when you're in year 11 and 12 yeah. and go to socials, go to formals, take a girl to a deb, do those things that could slightly sound ridiculous, but I think are important. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of how did I go, it was a disaster at mm. school, like a disaster. I mean, you know, a, a 17.9 or something. Out of know, what? Out and what of, was it then? It was it's a TER not... back then, right? A the TER score. So, um, yeah, <laughs> no good, but good. <laughs> no good, but good.
2: So at your school, you were you were destined with your, those kind of results, you were forgettable until yeah. you became famous. Stuff you did all right.
3: Well,. well <laughs> Y- you know, I should say
2: famous. say successful.
3: I, I um left there, and I automatic. I mean, during that time, I was working Friday, Saturday, Sundays part time at Faster Pastor in Burwood. Um, I did that for a year and a year and a half, two years, and then I went moved to the Mentone Hotel and did my a year there. And then, you know, during that time, started putting these applications out for apprenticeships. Yeah. Um, and geez, well, they're... they're so, so,
2: so what happened? So, if you rewind to those, say, year eleven about that, you know, famous film Walk Boy, <laughs> you know, where you and he goes, that was me, you know, mm. sitting in the mm. in the playground, you know, where he opens yeah. up, he's got a salami and bread yeah. and yeah. all that sort of stuff, and all the they used to call them skips, no, yeah, yeah, all the Aussies were got Vegemite sandwiches and yeah. taking the Mickey, yeah, but obviously that happened to you at some level,
3: yeah, yeah,
2: was it still there later on in school? Oh, or, yeah, or, or,
3: it was sort of broken up into three parts at my school. There was. The skips, if you want to call them that. There's the wogs, meaning the the group of my mates. Yeah. And the Asians. Right. And, you know, I'm- I'm the only, the only. The, I look at it now, and I'm like, we would sit there, us wogs, with our Tupperware containers. Yeah. Not these. So, where are
2: from specifically? I mean, is good it, question. <laughs> is there I, a I don't geographical don't even know zone? Th- you
3: know, Western Oriental gentlemen, really. Is that they're, what it is? Yeah, apparently. But makes ever no ever. sense. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and we would, you know, it's funny, and you could, you could say, we would never wear shorts to school, wear our. Aussie friends would all Aussie, and here I am. Well, yeah. I can't believe I'm talking like this, but they would wear shorts, like, and we would always have our pants on. Like it was, we had there was these just certain makeups that divided us, and like our Asian friends, they would eat um, in the courtyard squatting. Mm. I just never forget it. Just, why are they squatting for? Just sit at the table. Yeah, or it's very sit very trendy at the bench. now. It's very trendy. It's very trendy now. And yeah. here I, thirty we're years looking later, we were looking at them taking the piss. And now, now we're going and buying their food squat. you yeah. know <laughs> eating with chopsticks and loving it and thinking it's very cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I know I know we're laughing while we're saying it but it wasn't really very funny. No, it know? wasn't funny. It it's was horrible.
3: Funny. It was horrible.
2: Do you remember any moments where it wasn't really very funny?
3: Yeah, there was one moment where I'll never forget we got to sc- we all would arrive to school and congregate in one spot us all of us mates and Vince Diaco um uh, good friend of ours. We got there and he was in the corner shaking and really upset tears. Like what ha- What's going on? I came in and I accidentally bumped one of the Asian boys as I was walking in. And 10 minutes later, 30 of them approached him with a knife mm. and we all just went, what this is, I can't believe this, is, this happened. And then it all turned pear shape. Um, to the point where I got expelled on the last step for the last day of school because I stuck up for my mate, mm. um, and yeah, look, it's that's not that's horrible, and we don't want any of that. And I, I say it all the time, you know. I mean, I look at James. They're lessons now, learned, don't they're they're they? That
2: you learned. that you pass on.
3: I totally pass them on, and something on. You know, I look at James now, and I, you know, I rock Who's up to son? school, which is my son, and he's in prep, and I rock up to school, and you know, it's you. you I'm sure that I'm. I am sure I'll be kidding myself if there isn't racism. I'd be kidding myself. And we do it. My dad mm. does it, where he'll go, the 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 Indian taxi driver. And I go, What yeah. are you talking about, mate? And he'll go, What? I go, What are you talking about? I go, mate, you were the fish and chip shop owner. Remember? Mm. Don't forget that. So let's, you know, we've got to be very um thoughtful about and, and think, you know, these are people that have obviously migrated here and they're trying to make a living. Yeah.
2: I always think about it in in a in maybe a slightly different way, not always racism, but just fear of uh, people being different. Yeah, you know. So as kids, you know, you take the Mickey out of someone with a big nose or yeah. with glasses yeah. or the wrong shoes. Yeah, like it's just ridiculous, yeah. right? And so as you get older, certainly if you're a liberal-minded individual, that mm. the same applies to everything, doesn't it? No. But when you're a kid. It's really, it's very different. I yeah. remember the things we said we were kids. Terrible. terrible. And actually, I just read something in the paper the other day with uh, Lauren Eldridge, and she made a comment. She was a Josephine Pignolet Award winner, so that's quite a, an accolade. And she said, "I'm just fed up of being called a female chef. I'm yes. a chef. Yeah, Take actually, me seriously. You so know, I don't fun. need to be. I don't need to be put in a box, and I don't need to any. I don't need anybody to." Uh, have special conditions that apply and i'm fed up with everyone saying how does it feel like being a female chef in a male dominated dominated industry and how are you going to cope when you have kids she goes stuff off don't want to <laughs> don't want to talk about it i think it's really it? true it's very very yes, true so true it's just how we look at things so applied for apprenticeships mm. so yeah. you got a you got a job at uh yeah Sofitel. Yeah.
3: yeah and it's funny because i put my application out to loads of hotels. I, I went, right, at the time all I knew was to get a good apprenticeship you needed to be in a hotel. Mm. So I put it out to the high at, everywhere. Any f- good five-star hotel in Melbourne, I put it in. And the only one that came back that gave me an opportunity was, was Softel. Mm. Obviously you know that because you were there and you gave me my first job. And um, I never forget the lineup. We I remember there was hu- about 100 apprentices because you yeah. cherry-picked sort of 10 and I just went, oh my God, I'm never, this is never going to happen. Um, and then when it did, I went, I'm, I'm uh, like, I didn't take school seriously. I didn't take school seriously. I, it was, it was fun. I said, I'm going to take this so bloody seriously. Mm. And, and why and, is that? Is I, that because I you... think I fell in love with it and I knew, and I, got, I went, hang on a second. I, I'm actually doing something that I'm being, and don't get me wrong, I think, Out of the four years there, like maybe, you know, three and a half years, maybe a a tenth of it, you got told you're doing a good job. But I just knew I was in the right place with the right people that that knew how to press my buttons to get maximum Mm. out of me. Yeah. Um, And
2: it was a big hotel. So to give people a sense of it, there were, I think, 100 chefs, 110 mm. chefs sort of eight food and beverage outlets banquets there was mm. cafe la there was atrium rude service
3: and you pretty much did it all didn't you every department and um you know I immersed myself in everything and and you know it was it was brutal let's not let's not kid ourselves but it was <clears throat> it was such a when you think about it it was such a united chef team i never forget the feeling there was this there was this secret that that and you know, you, you knew it. If you weren't going to step into the arena with the with the the crew, the the gang, if you want to call it that, you're going to get out. You're going to get pushed out, and you're not going to make it. It's simple.
2: Why was it like that? Do you think?
3: I don't know. Look, I don't know. I mean, you know, we we, we call it. You know, it was the obviously the, the the British invasion of chefs that obviously migrated, and you know the 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 the, the Capaldis, the Lambies, the Megans, mm. this, the that, that, you know, and obviously that was the start of something very, very unique here in, Mm. in Australia where, you know, obviously Britain was a million miles ahead of us back then. Yeah. Um, and there was a certain, and I see it now, you know, one of my, one of my star chefs, um, he's, you know, he's, 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 his tape within his brain he's been so battered and bruised from his time he worked in britain in some amazing places where now i've I've got to we're helping him adjust that to make it more australian
2: yeah so what does that mean more australian that
3: means you know you you just can't fly off the handle that means you just can't you can't rule with an iron fist it's just not going to work. Mm. You're not going to get maximum value out of yourself. So soften up. Yeah, um, and you know, even I had to change at some point when I became an owner. I had to change, um, but yeah, it was an incredible time in incredible place, and I made it on. I think on the last freight train that was the yeah. dying great
2: yeah. hotels. Well, that was a transition period in hotels, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it it went from. Regent Four mm. Seasons mm. to Sofitel, mm. and the brief was to change everything. So Raymond Capaldi, who was the executive chef, I was the exec sue. Yeah, um, that was our. That's what we were told we had to do: get yeah. out, get all the dead wood out, change it, make every outlet profitable. Yeah, and then the the goal was to employ everybody underneath. Mm. get the best people. And if you look at the, can you remember some of the sous chefs that were running each or the head chefs that were running the outlets? I mean,
3: and that was the thing. There was a lovely competition within the competition, Mm. you know, of, of sous chefs wanting to be the best sous chefs, you know, Mm. chef de cuisines wanting to be the best chef de cuisines. And then it filtered right down to the apprentices. And I, I never forget. I'd walk in there every day going, I, I want to be and I will be the best apprentice in this place, and yeah. I I worked my absolute ass, ass off, and I I just wanted it so bad, mm. you know. And and it's I think that was it's, it's, that internal competition is wonderful,
2: yeah, wonderful. Well, people ask me, were you a star back then? And I go, well, star's probably the wrong word, but you're a standout. I remember this Apprentice Morning Tea was particularly for first years, mm. and I think it was in the first six months of them enrolling as an apprentice, brutally hard out of school, Mm. really hard, working lots of hours, uh, these kids, and um, not having the support, having left school, Mm. um, and your parents being a standout. Mm. Because I remember one young lady, uh, her parents going, we're really worried about her, she's working hard, and Mm. I don't know if this is the right job for her. And there I am trying to convince her parents that she was doing a great job, and she she was enjoying herself, mm. and I thought she's never going to last because she doesn't have the support of her parents. Mm. You know, They wanted her to do something else, something more yeah. glamorous. Whereas I remember your dad or your mum literally coming up and grabbing me by the arm and saying, listen here. And I'm like looking at these two short people <laughs> who are shorter than me, which is amazing, and you, your dad Jim and your mum Mary. And, just, and if George has any problem, mm. you ring us and we'll sort him out. Mm. And I thought that kid's going to do all right because he's got no escape.
3: Yeah, no, and there was it you know you had to do had well to work regardless. hard. Yeah, and and that was the thing. I'd never forget dad saying, I don't care what you become, but if you if you you got to love it and you got to work hard. Uh, don't there's no secret to this this thing, you know, there's no secret to um, what people think success is in this industry. It's it's just two things. Hard mm. work, hard work. That's
2: part one of my chat with George, but part two gets even deeper, with George and I chatting about some of the challenges he's faced this year, being a chef, but being a chef who's a celebrity. And, of course, that day at the soccer. Part two is available on Podcast One. Take a listen. A Plate to Call Home is a Podcast One production. Produced by Dave Zwolenski, executive producer Jamie Hsu, audio production is Darcy Thompson, and special thanks to Imogen Thomas for all the research
0: Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last.